I just want us to pray for the weights. They sent a message this morning. Somebody has a meningitis. They had to be rushed to hospital. If we can just stand, all of us uh, together, family. It's one of those urgent uh, prayers that we need to send. That's all we know is to pray. That's what the Lord has, has, has told us to do. We pray by faith and trust him for the results. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement meant for our peace was upon him. And the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. Lord God, even as that person lies in that hospital, we thank you that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. We thank you for the breath of heaven in the name of Jesus. As your people here, we are your amen. We declare your will, that which is in your heart for the one who is sick. We declare it in Jesus' name. So we speak life. We speak life in Jesus' name. From the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. Speak life upon every cell in their physical bodies. We pray that you infuse them. Injection of the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And you give them a new lease on life. For your glory. For your glory we pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated, uh, Pastor Juan. I want to welcome uh, Pastor Juan who are joining us on Zoom. Uh, bless your family. It's good to have you. We continue this uh, afternoon. I see certain people are not here today. Amen. We bless your family. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Um, I'm just trying to figure out where to start because, see, Bishop Bill Hammond wrote a book entitled um, Prophecies Yet to be Fulfilled. In other words, when we gather together, we must have in mind that which God is doing now, that which we are moving towards. That helps us to begin to frame and construct everything on the basis of that which heaven wants to be done now. And God wants to see fulfilled. We know that uh, there are two things that, have, that must happen. Number one is the restoration of the condition of the church and the position of the church. The condition speaks to uh, our state. Because if we are to shift anything in the earth, our condition must be right. This is why there is a restoration of the message of repentance, the restoration of the message of holiness. This is why today we are ministering on sin. Because for us to be able to have legitimacy, out legitimacy, legitimacy and have authority in the spirit, we must step out because I told you last week, these principalities and powers they don't care how loud we scream. They don't care how well we dress. All they want to see is that you are well-robed, you are well-attired, you, uh, you have on holy garments. When they see the garments, they respond to them. They don't respond to anything else. So for us to be able to partner with heaven and be able to do the things which God wants to see done, our condition, say condition, our condition must be restored. In other words, from head to toe, remember last week I said, when Jesus spoke to them, he said, the enemy comes, but he has got nothing in me. Always remember that scripture, it's more, one of the most powerful scriptures in the New Testament. Because if he says, the enemy comes, but he has nothing in me. In other words, when he scans me from head to toe, there's nothing in me that reflects him. If there is nothing in me that reflects him, he does not respond to my instruction. In other words, I cannot commission, I cannot bind or lose anything until he sees that I resemble heaven. I reflect the nature of God in Jesus' name. So when we begin to minister on these things, understand the broader context of where we're coming from. 
because uh, I think it was about a month ago we were speaking about God res uh, restoring our bridal identity. It's part of the whole thing that God is doing because if we are to bind and to loose, what are we binding? We're binding the activities of the enemy. We constrain it. We uh, deactivate what the enemy is doing and we loose. We release the will of God in the earth. Amen. But we cannot do so. It does not matter how many prayers we have. If we don't walk in holiness, this is why he told him, he said, walk before me and be thy perfect. Walk before me and be thou blameless, he told Abraham. Because if you walk before me as such, then you carry a certain degree of authority in the spirit. There's credibility. And the things begin, these principalities, they, 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 they move. Remember that you are dealing with dignitaries in the heavenly places. They do not just get moved by any Tom, Dick, and Harry. They respond to authority, and the authority must be contained in a particular vessel. Amen. Do you understand, family, what we are saying this morning? So I want us to take these things seriously because God counts on us to partner with him. That prayer in Matthew 6, our Father, which we love so much in at Kingdom Embassy House, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be established in our marriages, in our finances, in our relationships, and everywhere else as it appears in heaven, let it appear in the earth. So for us to be able to begin to manifest the will of God in the earth, there is something about us that must change. Amen, family. So this morning, I want us to uh, carry on on what we discussed. Remember that the broader thing we were talking about is uh, discipling of nations. We we're talking about the Great Commission, and then we had to come to this uh, particular portion which is whereby we had to address the issue of sin. Why we did that? Because the angel said, the Lord Jesus comes to save you, not from the Roman ruler who was in charge at the time, not from any other threat, but the Lord Jesus came to deliver us, to save us from our sin. So we need to understand the things which are important uh, to us as the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we move on, there's this particular scripture that's found uh, in, um, in the book of Acts, Acts 3, verse 19. Just go there, family, as, um, just before we get into this. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the times of the restoration of all things about which God spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets uh, from earliest times. Amen. There are, this particular scripture talks about times of refreshing or times of restoration that must be released from the presence of the Lord. So there are moments, there are seasons, there are kairos moments that God wants us to walk in and to experience the seasons in, in our lives. But for that to be ushered in, the Bible says repent. How to repent? Repent so that your sins may be blotted out. This is why we are addressing the issue of sin, because if we do not do what the Bible says we must do, we hinder, we obstruct, we impede that which heaven wants to release. We delay the, a certain season. There, there is a season. There are things which can only occur in a particular season. There is a season that must uh, be made manifest that enables for the will of God to be established in our lives. So there are times 
that must be experienced by God's people. As long as we are not walking in repentance and uh, in holiness by extension, there are things that we will not walk in. We will probably die and go to heaven. We will always be in churches, having conferences, and all the stuff that we enjoy doing. But we will not be impactful. We will not uh, bear the fruit that God wants to see us bear. There must be a church in the earth that will make the world very jealous of what God is doing. We must begin to advertise God's goodness and God's glory. When God begins to move in our lives, there must be something about us that must make the world crave and desire to be part of what we are. So these are seasons that God wants to unleash, that God wants to release upon all of us. Amen. So he says, therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be blotted out so that, so that the times of refreshing. So it's possible for me to serve God, but they are, there's a time, there's a season I might not experience until I die. If I do not choose to hold hands with heaven, and cooperate with what God wants me to do. I may just be doing this for the next 15 years, next 20 years. Here we come, we worship, we listen to the word, we give our offering, we go home, we do it again the following week. But it, it, just, it establishes nothing in the spirit. It does not change Deben. Deben is going to be changed when we begin to do that which he wants to see done. Not because he's binding us, not because he wants to see our lives uncomfortable and us being, you know, just squirming and under a load of laws and rules. There are doors and portals that must be opened when the church begins to walk in obedience, like Mamji said. So let us, family, then this morning move on to that which we began about two weeks ago. Our sin is bad. Because when the Bible says repent, we repent from sin. So we've been discussing that from about two weeks, three weeks ago. I don't know how long we've been doing that for now. But I want us to begin to understand these things. Now, as we begin, just allow me to pray for about a minute. Father, we thank you now for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for revelation we thank you that we stand here speaking in your stead. For these are your people, these are your redeemed. Through the blood of Jesus, according to Ephesians 1, 7, we are redeemed and our sins are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. And Father, it is your will and it is your desire that we walk in obedience, that we become the church that you are waiting to see. The, the church through which you are going to do mighty exploits in the earth. We know that you are pulling your church from within the church. You are pulling your remnant from within the crowds of people, the mixed multitude. And you want us, Father God, to be set apart and to be sanctified so that we can begin to walk in power and authority in the earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, last week... Family, we said that Satan's only authority over our lives is the sin we commit. He has no other authority. He cannot do as he pleases. He cannot impose himself. We have been saying that the, the spirit world, either the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness, they come by invitation, not by invasion. So for the enemy, even the enemy, to be seen in, on our shores, around these parts, it's because we would have invited him to come. He does not come unless he gets an invitation. That's how it works in the spirit world. It's spiritual jurisprudence. That's how it works. He cannot just come and just do whatever he wants. So Satan follows the order or the smell or the scent of sin. 
if we are to see him anywhere, it is because he has followed the smell, old smell, the smell of sin. If we see a manifestation, a satanic or demonic manifestation in someone's life anywhere, it is because demons followed a certain sinful signal. And they found themselves there because there was a signal sent from that particular person or family or whatever tribal group, whatever it is. But there must be a signal sent in the atmosphere that attracts the demonic to come and they make their presence felt in that person's life or in that family. So I want you to understand that. I want you to understand the power of sin as we discussed it uh, last week. We said when Satan is identified anyway on our shores, it is because he received an invitation. Out is Satan comes by invitation. Yeah, that's how he comes. He comes by invitation. So I know that there's a question that is always uh, asked. That if God is so good, why did he create Satan? Why did he create the devil? If God is so glorious and is so good, why did he create the devil? I want us to go out. I know that we might have covered this, I think, last week or two weeks ago. But let me just go back there as we move on, family, this afternoon. I explained to you that God never really created Satan. I want you to understand that because as we build this, this afternoon, understand how this works. There was no time in eternity where God created Satan. God did create Lucifer, but God did not create Satan. Please understand this. This is profound. This is very important. God created Lucifer, of whom the Bible says, you were perfect in your ways from the day of thy making till wickedness was found in you. Now, in that scripture, there is that word until or till, which means up to the time. In other words, there was a time when Lucifer was perfect, like the Bible says. He was perfect because we know that God makes everything good and perfect. This is why in the book of Genesis, when he had made everything and he looked at it and he said, it is good because he had made it. So God made a creature called Lucifer. Lucifer means bright. It means bright. It means morning star. You get the word lucid or lucidity, which is brightness. That's what God makes. God makes such. Now, when we study this particular uh, passage of scripture, we learn that after a period of time, Lucifer became Satan. In other words, he chose to be. This is why that scripture said, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were of thy making till or until. If you want to read that scripture differently, you would say you were perfect in your ways from the day of thy making up to the time that wickedness was found in you. God did not place wickedness in him. He, over a period of time, See, this is my point, Bazanwan. Lucifer mutated into being Satan. It's not that God had predetermined that there was going to be. The devil chose to be the devil. The devil chose to be the devil. I hope you, you are hearing me this afternoon. I'm saying to you, the devil chose to be the devil. Now, this is my point. Lucifer mutating into being Satan did not automatically necessarily affect us. Now, watch. 
Lucifer mutating or transforming or changing into being Satan did not automatically affect us. You see, Satan could have remained Satan over there. Not over here. He could have, he could have been Satan over there. Over there. See, the problem was not Satan landing in the Garden of Eden. The problem was Adam allowing Satan to land in his will, thereby influencing his decision-making. So when, the, when Satan is Satan over there, that's fine. It, it does not affect us until such a time that we give him a landing strip. When we give him a landing strip to land, by shaking hands with him through disobedience, that's when he begins to establish himself and he begins to twist and turn. He rearranges furniture in the house based on, one's, on what he wants to see done. Are you, are you flowing with me, Bazalwan? So the presence of Satan in the universe is not necessarily a problem, provided he is not given a place to land. Are you with me? No, flow with me. I'm saying to you, the presence of Satan in the universe is not necessarily a problem unless someone gives him a place to land. So God does not restrict the enemy from moving to and fro. When he spoke to God about Job, he said, where have you been? He says, I have been moving to and fro in the earth. And the Bible says the enemy uh, roams around the earth seeking whom he may devour. So the Lord God has not prohibited him from moving up and down in the earth. What God does, God commands us not to give Satan a landing strip. Instead of, of God being preoccupied with Satan, God strengthens his own. He tells them, you be holy. He tells us, be obedient. He tells us, walk according to my precepts. Walk according to my word. Walk according to the script which I have preordained for you. So as we, we don't care about he can be floating around everywhere as long as you and I do not give him authority to land. He does not bother. He cannot come into your life and begin to establish his will. Are you with me, family? Hallelujah. I pray you understand what we are saying this afternoon. So I wanted to understand this, Gabazanwan. All sin, out here all sin, is actually the granting of Satan a landing or an operating license. All sin, all sin, on all manner of sin there is. Sin is therefore a bridge between the demonic and the world of man. Until we build this bridge, he remains over there. When we sin, we begin to build a bridge by which he is able to access our world. This is why God says, do, do not sin. Because if I do, I am establishing, I am constructing, I'm making it possible for the one who is over there to be over here. He's not supposed to be over here. He could have been in the garden, but he would not necessarily have impacted Adam the way that he did if Adam had stood by what he had heard from heaven and told him, no, God said we shall not. The enemy would have gone. The Bible says you resist him and he shall flee from you. So sin is the enabler. 
Sin is that which assists him. Sin enables Satan to come across to jump over the border. Sin, like we said last week, open portals in the spirit. It opens doors for the enemy to come into our sphere, into our space, into our world. By our permission, we allow him to do so through disobedience. Now let's move on, family. Now, I wanted to turn to the gospel of John chapter 19, verse number 11. The gospel of John chapter 19, verse number 11. In the NIV, it says, Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Now, I want us to move on to something else on the basis of this scripture. It says, therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Now, I want to ask you something. Does God see all sin as the same? Does God see all sin being the same? Now, don't be quick to answer. Look again at the scripture that we just read. Let me repeat the scripture to you. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Now, before we answer this question, let us establish the following. Hey, Lunga. <laughs> let's establish the following. All sin is bad. All right. All sin. All sin is bad. How do all sin is bad? All sin enables Satan to land. How do all sin? All of it enables Satan to land, that gives him a landing strip. Last thing we need to establish before we answer this question, all sin leads to hell. Out to all sin leads to hell if you don't repent of it. Amen. Now, there are two words in that particular scripture which are very important. It's greater sin. Greater sin. Out to greater sin. The word greater in that particular scripture is called a comparative adjective. What a comparative adjective. A comparative adjective establishes two things. Number one, it describes the noun, which is seen there, and it compares two different nouns or more. So it, it, it describes it and it compares. All right. So according to this scripture, the description of the sin that the Lord is speaking about over here, which Judas committed, the Lord Jesus himself makes reference of that sin. He says it is greater. If it's greater, then on the left-hand side, there is great. On the other side, there is greatest. So this is comparative. Greatest would be superlative. On, that, on these grounds, we establish, therefore, that God does not see all sin being the same. Now, I am not talking to you about <clears throat> what I think or what you think. Who cares what I think? <laughs> I mean, who cares what you think, really? What we need to establish is what the Bible says. So according to the Bible, a comparative adjective is used to both describe and compare nouns. The noun is sin. Jesus describes a Judah's sin, which he says is greater. Now watch this. Some sins have greater and more damaging consequences. As such will receive greater punishment on the day of judgment. 
Now we said some months ago, everything that we say at Kingdom Embassy House must be on the basis of Scripture. In other words, every pronouncement that we make must be anchored in Scripture. We must find the basis of anything that we declare in Scripture. So in Matthew 23, verses 13 to 14, the Bible says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. The King James, it puts it this way. It says, greater damnation. Holman Christian Standard Bible says, harsher punishment. Young's literal translation says, you shall receive more abundant judgment. On the basis of that, you can see that the weight that God attaches, assigns to different sins, it is different on that basis. Also in Luke 12, verse number 47, it says, but that servant who knew the will of his master and did not prepare or do according to his will will be given a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did things deserving blows will be given a light beating. And from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be demanded. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will ask for even more. The NIV says, will be beaten with many blows. New Living Translation will be severe. They will be severe. They will be, they will be severely punished, it says. New American Standard Bible will receive many lashes. Good News Translation will be punished with a heavy whipping. Still, I want us now to go to the three types of sins that the Bible talks about. The sins uh, categorized into three compartments, if you will, in Scripture. The Bible in the book of Psalms, chapter 32, verse number 5, the Bible says, I made known my sin to you. And my iniquity I did not cover. I said I will confess concerning my transgression to Yahweh. And you took away the guilt of my sin. In that particular scripture, there are three words we are introduced to. Number one, it's sin. Another one is iniquity. Another one is transgression. Out is sin. Out the transgression, out the iniquity. The book of Leviticus also establishes this in uh, Leviticus 16, 21. It says, then Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and their transgressions, even all their sins. So we understand that, the, that these three categories that the Bible speaks of, and as God's people, we must be aware of what is meant by these three. Say amen. Because we, we are God's people. And if we are God's people, we must know our story. We must know our stuff. Say hallelujah. Let's talk about, just briefly, family, let's talk about sin. I'm not going to. Because each of these would require a considerable amount of time for us to cover each one. But sin means 
to miss the mark, how to miss the mark. To miss the mark, it's a general term. Out, it's a general term. It's a general term for falling short of God's standard. Falling short of God's standard. Remember in the book of Romans 3.23, it all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember that scripture. So when we sin, we sin when we do what we are not supposed to do. How do we sin? They say that with me. I want you to participate this afternoon. We sin when we do what we are not supposed to do. In other words, we, we commit something. We do something. It's, it's called a sin of commission. We, we do something we are not supposed to do. We also sin when we don't do what we are supposed to do. We omit to do. It's called sin of omission. Are you with me, family? So that is, that's called sin. Now, I wanted to understand this. There are things that we often do not associate with sin, but they may as well be. Let me repeat that. There are things that ordinarily we may not associate with sin, but they may as well be sinful. Example, fear. Now I'm going to explain this to you. I don't want you to feel condemned. Because the Lord has called us to walk in authority and power. Amen. The reason why these must be explained to you is so that you don't think that it's part of your personality to be fearful. Like the phobias, you know, it's, it's just me. No, it's not you. you. You have become something. You know that we are becoming every time. If we obey God, we become something. If we disobey God, I am becoming. You are always becoming. Even the very personality that I think I have, what we call idiosyncrasies, and I have uh, kind of possessed these things, and I think they are mine. The phobias and all these things that we have. No, I have become. There might have been an experience which I went through when I was three years old. It did something in my soul. And as a result, I have a certain phobia of certain things. That, that's not me. That's not the original me. That's not the one that God had preordained. This is why I must be transformed by the word of God into the original me. Say hallelujah. So fear. God says for God, uh, the Bible says for God has not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh, you know that one. Let's, do, let's say it again. For God has not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of what? Of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, if God has not given me anything, I have no business embracing it as though God had given it to me. If I walk confidently with that thing, holding hands with that thing, it is not the will of God. Because fear can begin to compromise the will of God, the things that God wants to do through your life. The Father wants to, you to give expression to his will. Often our fears, they cause us to be bound and to be paralyzed such that we are not able to walk in power and authority. And that which he wanted to see happen and transpire in a certain area does not happen because I am paralyzed by fear. The second thing is worry, how to worry. The Lord commands us, he says, do not worry. Do not, do not worry. Do not, how to do not worry. Worry, worry, I'm worried. Anxiety, I'm anxious. Do not be anxious by anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests 
known to God. Say hallelujah. If it's not that which God had preordained to me, I have no business giving expression to it. Another one is anger. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. That's what we say, right? I will show them. I will show. It's the flesh talking. God has set us apart as his holy people. He's a royal priest to the holy nation. His own special people set apart for him. His royal priesthood. Amen. There is a culture we call it kingdom culture. There is the way we do life that the world doesn't. That's why there's stuff called fruit of the spirit. Those are, it's, it's what we portray in the culture, kingdom culture. It's not a Zulu culture. It's not what Kosa culture or Japanese or European culture. It's kingdom culture. We do what God says we do. I do not steal because in my culture we do not steal. I forgive because in our culture we forgive. I am kind because in our culture we do kindness. In our, it's our culture, it's kingdom culture. This is why we are a nation amongst nations. Irrespective of your color or creed, we, when we begin to invite the word and allow the word to transform even our worldview, we become a different nation with a king. His name is Jesus. He has a culture. Say hallelujah. So we are not those people who blow a fuse and, and just, you just scream. No, we, we have what we call self-control. That's our kind. Demonstrate self-control. When he steps on my toes in the queue at F&B, I told you some weeks ago, I have two choices. I can punch his teeth into his gums. Or I can just back off because I remember who I am. I don't do life that way. My kind, my type, I am a, of a different breed. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Sanctified. Cleansed from head to toe. Another thing is vengeance, out of vengeance. No, see, when, when, when we begin to do the word, it strips you off everything. It dismantles us. The Lord starts us afresh from the beginning. This is why I told the kids when we were praying, I think it was yesterday, last night, I said one of the most beautiful things you can ever do as a person is to hand over your life to the Lord and ask him to redo you. Just remake me, Lord. Or I don't have any rights. I, I, I lay my rights on the, my right to be angry, I forfeit. My right to be angry, my right to hold the garage because he did me so bad. I wish I could just, <laughs> but Lord, out of obedience to you, oh, how my flesh screams, my masculinity, my manhood. Oh, how I wish I just could. Because when I say I'm sorry, he thinks I am being weak. That even frustrates me more. I wish I could kick his oxygen out of his lungs. But I cannot do it because I am of a different way. Vengeance. The Bible says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Romans 12, 19. Another one is pride. Dealing with sin. Pride goes before what? Before destruction. Gossip and slander. I don't know why when we think of sin, we think only of sexual sin and killing and murder. They, they, they stuff. They are levels. Gossip and slander. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It defiles the whole body. Now, let's move on, family. 
at 10 to 4. There is another level of missing the mark of sin, which is called transgression. Say transgression. Transgression is um, it's intentionally stepping over the line. Stepping over the line. Sin is missing the mark. They use it um, when it relates to ushery. You know, when you have a target and you're shooting and you miss the mark, that's sin. This one over here, it's, it's like you intentionally, there's a, a line. You know that I'm not supposed to cross. You just step over it. It, it, it has something of a revolt in it and rebellion. So transgression is a revolt. Transgression is open rebellion to abandon the way. The Bible says an evil man seeks only rebellion. So that is another, it's another level of missing the mark. Now, but I want us to go to this third one. We will explain this thing some other time, family. Out iniquity. Now, iniquity is complicated. Iniquity is, is, is like, it's a culture of sin, culture of sin. Iniquity is an institution of wickedness. Iniquity is a, it's like serial sinning. It is so serious that iniquity changes the DNA structure of the flesh. Resulting in genetic changes. Um, you know that it's passed from generation to generation. Because it, it, it stems itself in your genetic makeup. Because it is, it, is, it is so deep. It is so deep. It begins to mutate everything within you. In Exodus 20 verse 8, the Bible says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. The iniquity of the fathers upon the children. How did it get there? It was stamped. In the DNA, and it altered it such that those who are born afterwards have a propensity to sin a particular way. Are you with me, Bazalwan? Inequity is like it's it's wicked inheritance. It's what we get. It's it's wicked. It's an inheritance. It's wicked. It's like ubungoma. Like witchcraft, it's generational. It's like wizardry. If Ubaba is Sangom, her father is a is a Sangom. There is always someone who must be identified, and this person is groomed from the time they are small, so that this thing is passed over to them. It is it is an institution. It, it, it has perpetuity. It must run through its iniquity. Every person, most people in this bloodline, they have a tendency to do certain things. There's a dominant, a predominant sin in this particular family. Because they, if, if you are born within this household, your DNA has been altered in a certain way, so there are things that are going to happen because it's just in your blood to do things that way. Inequity is sometimes formalized through blood covenants and customs and traditions. Out of all sin is bad. We need to pray. We need to repent. Because if you do not understand these things, you think repentance is just coming here for two minutes with the keyboard player playing. And I'm just, I just say my two minute thing. And oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I stole sugar last night. No, no, no. These things are profound. 
We must, this is why repentance, nothing is going to happen until we repent. What keeps the church from progressing, from moving forward, is that we do not understand what repentance is all about. We need to pray, family. We need to, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. What is good about these things? I didn't even go you know, into detail about these things. We will, we will do so some other time. But you know why the gospel is called the good news? The gospel is called good news because Jesus died for our sins. He died for our transgressions. He died for our iniquities. The blood of the Lamb, it is so powerful that it does not matter what I have done. It does not matter how, well, how embedded it is in my makeup. The blood of Jesus, it is able to restore. The blood of Jesus is able to renew. The blood of Jesus is able to give us a new lease on life, a new future. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He has power to give us newness of life. It's called good news. Remember the scripture, the beautiful scripture in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, 4 and 5, particularly verse 5. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement meant for our peace was upon him. Ah, and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Say amen. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament put a seal on it. Because Isaiah does not mention sin. He only mentions transgression and iniquity. Now Apostle Paul comes and he says in Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Stand with me, family. Hallelujah. He is offering this morning, this afternoon, to all of us. He's offering forgiveness. He's offering us forgiveness of sin. He has the power to do it. He has the resources to do it. They may be as red and as crimson. They shall be as white as snow. The Bible says that is the promise that the Lord has given. And he will make good. Just lift up your hands. Let's pray together, family. And just thank the Lord for the blood. Just thank the Lord for his blood. Christos. Luria Ashla Hamim, Mondre Ashla Hadendro Ustelabarkis, Momerebe Eshla Handrosta, Rilo Arine Eshlehim, Morebe Esiteka, Lori Ashilamim, Morebesta Remen Terrin, Lore Ashitayaka Satay, Loriba Ushilehem Mosieta, Morebe Eshatea, Lore Mendria Santea. Jesus, thank you, Lord. You take the weight of sin. You take away the weight of sin. We do not have to walk around with a burden of sin. You have come to set us free. You have come to break the yoke of sin off our necks. You break the chains. You break the shackles that we be begin to walk in newness of life and father i thank you for every person in this place pray with me family can let's pray together 
We thank you that the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. According to Hebrews 12, 24, the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It declares, it says we are the redeemed. It says we are his inheritance. It says we are the apple of his eye. It says we are his people. Glory al-Shlahim. Reign, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. I wanted to just make this declaration with me before we go. We're just going to, because we, I called you uh, to the altar last week and we prayed and we repented but i want us to make this declaration say dear lord jesus thank you for your blood that you break the power of sin the power of transgression the power of iniquity over my life i want to walk with you i want to be a participant in that which you want to do in the earth. I want to join hands with you. But Lord, I know that I can only walk with you when I'm holy, when I walk in repentance. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit who enables me, who gives me power to walk with you. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Can you not come and pray with us? Anybody? Glory Bashanti. Father, thank you, Lord, that we are under your wings, Lord. We are in that higher place, Father, where you are going to teach us, where your anointing is over us, Lord, where we are understanding, Father, what you are teaching us through the repentance, Father. Lord, your blood, Jesus, the blood that you shed, that you, you uh, shed on Calvary, Father. Thank you, Father, for the power of the blood. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you for that we are hidden in you. Holy Spirit, thank you, Father, that we can come today to lay our lives down on the altar before you, Lord. Accept our lives, Lord, as a living sacrifice in Jesus Christ. Father, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, Father. Lord, today we stand before you, Lord on the foundation stone. Father, today we make covenant with you. We choose to make covenant, Father. Lord, we bind our arm. We bind our head. We bind our eyes. We bind our mouth, Lord. Father, we bind our heart, Lord. Father, we bind our feet. Father, that we can have a mind of Christ, Father, that you will anoint our eyes and lift the scales, Father, that you will open our ears, Father, so that we can hear your word, Father, that you will, Father, that we will make covenant with you, bind our mouths, Father, that what we speak, Father, will be your words and not ours. Father, we bind our heart to you, that we can have the heart of the Father, Father, and not act out of the flesh, but out of your will, Father. Father, we will bind our feet so that we can walk in your ways, Father, the straight and narrow that leads to you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we can be together with you today, Father. Thank you, Father. We ask that you will wrap us 
in the Holy Spirit, in that blanket of protection, Father, as we go from this place, Father, that we will we will walk with you, Father. We take your hand, Lord, and we walk with you every step of the way. You are our shepherd. We are your sheep of your pasture, Father. You are our high tower, our pillar of strength, Father. Thank you. This opportunity, Father, I pray a blessing over every single person here today. Father, I pray for their families, for the generations, Father, for our children and our children's children, Lord. Father, and I'm standing on the word, and by the power of the Holy Spirit invested in me, Father, I pray and I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will go with every single person from this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless Thank you, family. You, I don't know if you want to come and greet us before you go.